That's our show. Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 4. While you're turning, we've been traveling through the book of Galatians. And we've seen how grace was spreading from the Gentiles and how the Jews sent a group known, we know as the Judaizers to try to take the grace that was coming through faith in Christ and add the law back into it. So it was not only just faith in Christ any longer. It was faith in Christ plus all these things you had to do. That sounds real familiar to today's message, doesn't it? Now that you're saved, you got all these things you have to do. Instead of letting folks live in the joy of their salvation, what I find is that when people are genuinely transformed, genuinely changed, they naturally want to pray. They naturally open their Bible. They naturally go and share Christ. You can't stop them. And why would we want to? And that's the joy of living out of the outflow of the Holy Spirit within us. Well, today... We are, we land in chapter four. How many of you have ever seen the, uh, it's an older movie, uh, named Overboard. You seen that one? Over, some of y'all apparently like that movie with Goldie Hawn and where she falls over, she gets amnesia. And the funny thing is, even when she comes to realize what her old life was, she chooses not to go back. And that is kind of our story. We have we don't gain amnesia to it. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> but we want to go back. Israel, Israel wanted to go back. And for some reason we want to go back to a list of rules and regulations. Instead of living in the joy of grace. And so hopefully today we're going to be... Uh, we'll end it... The point of, with the idea of embracing your new identity. And so we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 20 of Galatians 4. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, because you are sons. God has set forth the spirit of his son in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved to all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I have also become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it is that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. 
But you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So I, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, but commendably, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner. And not only when I am present with you, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, as we travel through these verses, I ask that you'll speak to our heart. And I, Father, I pray that we'll hear from you and that you will help us to understand what's going on here and help us to learn from it, help us to be to live in the freedom you've given us in the joy of what it means to know Christ and understand who we are in him. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin with the fact that you are a son. And so often we're taught things other than that. We're taught that we are just sinners saved by grace, which is not true. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner transformed by grace into a beautiful brand new creation of Almighty God. You, so we no longer, that is no longer our identity. Nowhere in scripture are we called sinners after we come to faith in Christ. Nowhere. And so I challenge you to find it. If you find it, I'll submit to the scripture. And so I've not found it yet. So we are no longer sinners. We are sons. We are in a relationship. And so he begins this passage, this section, by talking about child uh, heirs and slaves. The bottom line, but the bottom line is this. It doesn't matter if you're an heir, if you live under bondage, you end up living like you're not. If we live under a set of rules and regulations, we live like we're not an heir of Christ, like we have not received grace because we go back to the only thing we had before Christ. Why would we do that? Why did we come to Christ to begin with? Because we understood what that taught us, that we needed to be saved. And when he saved us, we no longer need that tutor as we were taught earlier in Galatians. That to teach us about who we were then to come to him and have a relationship with him. And so Christ, it says here that Christ himself was born under the law so that he could redeem us who were also under the law and receive Adoption as sons. So he came and placed himself. Was was Christ under the law by nature? No, he wasn't because he was God. He created it. He, he existed beyond the law. He placed himself under the law so that he could overcome it through the death, burial, and resurrection. So that those of us who are under it, who can't get out from under it, have a pathway out. You know, you can't get out unless somebody digs a way out, right? If you're in a hole, you gotta, there's only one way out. It's the, the passageway that you're given to leave. You know, I see a lot, you know, it's really interesting to me to see the 
the amount of work that goes into saving these folks that are underground or get trapped, whether they're miners or whether that soccer team just recently who the passages got flooded. And you know what? Everybody celebrated the fact that all of those guys got out, but nobody talks about the one guy who died to save them. They don't talk about him. They, they interview them and they talk about how great it is and all that. And they forget that one man gave his life in rescuing them. And the same for us. We want to talk about Christianity today and how it's just a blessing. And, all, and don't ever forget about the man who gave his life for us. His name is Jesus Christ. And see, that's the problem that was going on in Galatia. In Galatia, the the region of Galatia. Remember we started off with the map and we showed this was not a specific church. This was a group of churches over an area. He wrote to that whole section, that whole region. <coughs> and so we learned from here <coughs> that he had to be born under law so that he could overcome it. We also learned that we're redeemed from the penalties of the law. But we're really comfortable as human beings with the law. We kind of want to know what we can and can't do, right? We want to know what's okay and what's not okay. We're afraid. Listen, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. Now, if he didn't do... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> if he didn't do away with it, then how come we're not under it? Because he's not under it. Because he overcame it. He didn't do away with it. <coughs> Because it still has a purpose. <coughs> mm. So he redeemed us from the penalties of the law, which we know to be death and eternal separation from God. One of the other penalties is the fact that if you're trying or attempting to work your way to heaven, your work will always be insufficient, even if it was perfect. Because that's self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is not accepted by him. Only the righteousness of Christ. And so until we come into that relationship and receive the righteousness of Christ, that is our ticket as we move into the relationship and uh, eternal destiny. He does more than set us free. He adopts us into his family. You know, it's amazing to think about some of these folks who have been adopted in their lifetime and the success that they've become. And yet you would think, you know, as you get strikes against you, that that makes it harder to overcome. 
most people know about Dave Thomas. Do you all know who Dave Thomas is? Founder of Wendy's. Wendy's hamburger chain. Named it after his daughter. He was adopted. Um, the guy who owns Camping World was also adopted. Marcus Lemonis. He was also adopted. And so when people are adopted into a family, they become a part of that family. There's a relationship there that exists. They're not just caretakers. They become. And when we're adopted, you know, the really cool thing about adoption is your parents get to pick you. You know, when you're born in the family, they're kind of stuck with you. <laughs> See? But when you're adopted, you get, to, they get, you get picked. And so God picked us. He picked us and put us in his family. And so he does more than set us free. He adopts us. Now that you're a son, he puts his spirits in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And so we have a new intimacy with the Father. And Abba, Father translated literally means Daddy. And it actually, if you dig down, it gets really interesting to some of the... the, uh, the meaning of that. You guys go study that. It's an, it's an interesting study. And so the spirit is crying out to him from within you. That's part of the reason we're, not, we're told not to quench the spirit. Because the spirit cries out to the father. He communicates with the father from within us. And so there's this drawing from the inside out to be in a relationship. And he talks about adoption here. Isn't that interesting? And so God... Not only adopts you, he gives you a spirit that cries out for him, that get, that affects our desire for a relationship with him. Isn't that cool? That's how much he wants to be in a relationship with you. So therefore, you're no longer a slave, you're a son and an heir. That's who we are. We have to realize that that's who we are. That's where we stand. We don't stand in a position of, boy, I hope I don't mess up and God's going to get me. Or he's he's up there with a big stick and when Mark gets out of line, he hits him in the leg. Or he's some distant guy who's way over there and I'm way over here. God is intimate with you and wants to be intimate with you. And you know what? We know that. But do we experience that? And if you're not experiencing that, there's a reason. And if you either have a faulty view of him... Or a faulty view of yourself. Because we have an accurate view of him. And an accurate view of ourselves. We know that we can run to him. We know that he's running to us. The Bible says that he literally twirls over us. In heaven. Isn't that cool? We kind of just think he sits on the throne and renders judgments. And that's just not who God is. Think about this for a minute. What does it say? About who God is. That he sent his own son. To come. And go under the law. Put him under the law. He became obedient even unto death. So that we can just simply have a relationship with him. What does that tell you. About the character of God. That he would do that. Let's get a good picture of who he is and what he's done. See, you're a son. Then we're kind of instructed to not go back here 
See, before we came to Christ, in verses 8 through 11, before we came to Christ, we served those who are not gods. The truth is, we all serve somebody. We all serve somebody. You serve your employer. Sometimes you serve your spouse. You serve your kids. Right? Parents. How many of you parents had to get up in the middle of the night when your kids were first born? Is that something you would have done if you didn't have kids? No. (laughs) We slept through the night. So you're serving your kids. The things you do for other people is part of serving them. And kids are people too, right? Sometimes. <laughs> and so we serve somebody. We all serve somebody. You're serving, even if you're just serving yourself, you're still serving a directive from somewhere. And so they were serving something who was not, was not God. And we have to be careful that we're not getting off to serve some version of God or some image that we create in our mind or some God that we're comfortable with that allows us, you know, we kind of like the idea of a God that that accepts us the way we are and still knows that we'll sin at times and he'll just cover that. Right? Yeah, nobody wants to move on that one. The problem is it's true. Well, you don't understand. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You ever had somebody say something to you and you go, oh, it's on now. You ever had that thought? You ever had this thought? Man, they crossed the line. You ever had that thought? What line did they cross? A line that you drew? Yep. What line did they cross with Jesus? None. Because he was obedient unto death. It's a tough one. Don't go back. Now that we know God and he knows us, why would we go back to the things he delivered us from and be enslaved by it again? You know, it's really interesting I was talking with somebody about this. Thank you for the throat blossom. Um, we ask people, do you know the Lord? Right? Isn't that how we talk to people when we're, when we're witnessing? When we build up the courage to actually ask somebody. Right? But you know the really interesting part, the real question is, does he know you? Well, he's God. He knows everybody. That's... What does he tell those who were doing miracles in his name? They were doing all this stuff for him. He says, depart from me for I never knew you. So the question is, does he know you? What do you know him? Does he know you? In other words, have you opened up your heart to him? That's how you get to know somebody, isn't it? They become vulnerable in a relationship with you. We're all afraid of that. Anybody here ever been hurt by another person? They don't have to be in the room. (laughs) When people hurt us, we have a tendency 
to build layers of protection, don't we? Just like your hand will build a callus. Like if you work it, work it, and you keep hitting the same spot, it will get raw at first. But over a while, you'll build callus. If you play guitar, anybody ever tried to play guitar? How many of you played guitar and gave it up in like three weeks? <laughs> and why was that? <laughs> this little patch of skin like right here, right? <laughs> That's me too. <laughs> it gets sensitive. And... So don't be sensitive. <laughs> hey, Dwayne. Y'all can hear me, right? Dwayne. Yeah, it's okay. It's... Apparently, there's somebody working against us this morning. You know what? That means God has a plan. And I'm on it. I want to be a part of that. You know, it used to... You know... Alright. When we first started... Our entire church was in that little trailer. Well, it's not out there anymore. There was a small little six by ten trailer. Everything was in there. And we used to go through temperature swings like we went through this week. And we'd come in and the sound equipment wouldn't work right. And we'd, we'd have all these problems. And we always had an amazing Sunday that Sunday. And so whenever time I see problems, I know the enemy's working against us. And we're going to say no to him. We're going to say no to him. That makes me very excited for you. And for me too. And so, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back to where we were. Listen, why would we return to Egypt? Why would we even think about that? Why would we go back? And it's because we know it. We're comfortable with the life we knew before. Because we either hid, it was either fight or flight, right? We got things accomplished in our lives. By hiding, there's people, there's really kind of two kinds of people. There's people that, I don't think anybody enjoys conflict here. Anybody enjoy conflict? I want to know now so I can, all right, I need you to stay after. But we don't. We either fight, we either back it down by fighting with them so that they don't ever want to fight with us again. Or we run. And we either run into ourselves, we just remove ourselves from the situation so that the conflict is over, right? There's kind of two types. But those are both worldly characteristics of trying to handle the situation. Instead of understanding what's going on with the other person, understanding where they're coming from and working to a solution, we just try to shut it down. And I think that those techniques have bled over into our spiritual life. Because as we go forward for the Lord, the enemy comes against us. And rather than meeting them and understanding that we really have something valuable, we don't want the conflict. So we avoid it by either fighting with them, which doesn't develop grace and peace, or we run and hide. And so now we're no longer sharing our faith and we stay over here because it's safer, we think, than being out there and communicating with others about their relationship with the Lord. We're either afraid that we're going to lose a friend, we're going to lose a job, we're going to have conflict in the family. All those things will keep us from telling somebody about Christ. 
And if that's not true, you tell me why you haven't told some people. Did anybody here know somebody needs to hear about Christ? It's, yeah, me too. My hands are up too. Why hasn't Mark told them? This is a two-way street, folks. The truth is always the truth. And if it hits here, it hits here. And I need to surrender to it just like you do. And so we're in this together. But we can't not tell the truth because it makes us more comfortable. We have to tell the truth. And so Paul tells them that he's starting to fear for them. Because perhaps he labored over them in in vain. See, he fears their willingness to go back to the law as a sign that they were not saved in the first place. He's afraid that it was not not in vain. Now, we have in the Christian environment... What I call grace law. Now that you're saved and you're in grace, now you've got to do all these things now that you've been saved. We're still doing the same thing. Now, does that mean it's okay to lie and, and swear? And No. That's not what I'm saying. Paul dealt with that in Romans. And, the, and if somebody ever thinks that or believes that or feels that, number one, it's a flesh response that wants to do that. Well, that means I can go sin all I want. That's a flesh. That's not a spirit of God leading you to do that. It's either the flesh or a lost condition. It's one of those two things. That's he had to deal with. The fact that we have to deal with that in the church. That's scary a little bit. But the fact that it, that is not who we are. Should be a joy. Should be, man, I get to. Be in a relationship with the Lord where I get to read my Bible and I'm, I'm reading it and he begins to speak to my life. I'm understanding it for the first time. I'll tell you, guys, at men's breakfast yesterday, Dwayne started us in Job and we ended in evangelism. I've never in my life seen anybody get evangelism out of Job. But that's how God used Dwayne yesterday. And God spoke to me about some things going on in my life. Amen. That's part of the journey. And so we shouldn't listen, guys. Don't go back. Don't go back to this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Start walking. As you receive, when you receive Christ, what's the first? What's the first thing we do? We surrender, right? That's what we do. We surrender. And when we surrender, then he leads us. That's how, as you receive me, so walk ye in me. So as I'm walking, I surrender my day to him. I surrender the things. I surrender my future. I surrender my relationships. I surrender the the future, um, any kind of conflict that could come. Because... How dare we think that God is only working in us. And that he hasn't already prepared the heart of that person he's sending us to. How many of you know somebody who God has completely transformed their life? And he can do it again. And he is doing it. He's doing it today. So why would we doubt that? We go, well, but 
You don't know so and so. I'll tell you what. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick any day. He'll do it. He'll do it. He leaves us with this idea. So he says, listen, understand who you are. I think that's important. Don't go back. But not only that, he says, tells us to take our place. Take our place in the work of God. See, Paul begs them to become as he is. And what... (laughs) So don't let anything, don't let anything keep them from serving and doing the same work he was doing. Genuine discipleship. See, we think discipleship... When I say discipleship, what most people think of is convert salvation, right? That's not discipleship. That's the beginning of discipleship. When Jesus... When Jesus... (laughs) called out men to follow him. How many did he call? Twelve, right? We would call that a failed church today. Right? Because he doesn't have mega millions going there. We are called into discipleship relationships. We are commanded to create disciples. To go out and... It begins at salvation, but you walk with them. Discipleship ends, if you will, when they're making disciples. Then you've made a disciple. When they are making disciples, the people you discipled, then you can move to somebody else. But you'll always have that relationship. They're always going to look to you. I had a godly pastor told me a long time ago, and you've heard this before. That we all need a Paul and we all need a Timothy in our life. Somebody who's sowing in and somebody who we're sowing into. The reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it has an inlet and no outlet. And so if you're seeking experiential life, you have to have an outlet as well as an inlet. Because if you have an outlet and no inlet, you become dry and empty. If you have an inlet and no outlet, you become full and bloated and dead. You have to have both. Both in. And so he tells them that they've lost that sense of blessing that they had toward him. They were willing to do anything for him until he started telling them the truth. See, people don't want the truth today. People don't want the truth. What they want is to be told, I'm okay, you're okay. And you can do whatever you want, and that's okay. And it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you, as long as you believe, all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father except through me. There are not many roads, there is one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. I've heard, back, I've heard former Baptist preachers in town say that on TV that there are many roads. It's frightening. Frightening. When we abandon, when we abandon God's word, we're left with nothing. We're left with subjectivity and whatever I think. And you know what? It don't make a hill of beans what I think. It matters what God himself said to us. 
The truth matters. The interesting part of that is he talks about his ailment and that they would have even plucked their own eyes out. This is where we build the idea that the, the infirmity Paul had in the flesh had something to do with eyesight. It comes out of this passage. Don't know. Could have been a temporary thing. It could be related to that. I mean, I mean we all get sick and when things pass, don't they? You know? He could have had a swollen eye. He could have, it could have been anything. It could have been for the moment. It may be not related. It may be related. We don't have enough evidence to say, but a lot of people will build it out of that. So be aware when you see that. So Paul goes on. And he's addressing the fact that the Judaizers wanted people to seek them. And that's where he said, it's not wrong to seek other people if it's for the right reason. You know, if, if in our relationship together, we encourage each other to fall deeper in love with Christ. We look at the scriptures and we're honest and we, we want to know what God has said. And we're willing to submit ourselves to it no matter whether we agree or disagree. Anybody here ever disagree with something they've read in scripture? <laughs> I have. Y'all are, y'all are probably better than mine. But I have. And it's like that. And you, you know, who was wrong in that situation? <laughs> Me. <clears throat> Me. Because I'm not in alignment. I'm not walking with the spirit in that moment. Or I've been so changed by my, my environment to determine what's right from wrong instead of God's word as to what's right from wrong that I'm uncomfortable taking a stand for the Lord. And that's a sad thing. We cannot allow this world to dictate our morals or the direction of our path with the Lord it has to be the Spirit of God. Like it or not, that's the truth. And if we're gonna we're gonna appreciate the truth, we better embrace it. And so it's whether or not these guys they had a self-righteousness, a confidence in themselves because of behavior, and I'm good enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. It's not about that. It's about the righteousness of Christ. And so Paul leaves this passage perplexed, wondering how anyone could go back instead of taking their place on God's agenda. Well, but Pastor, you don't understand. You know, I'm not, I don't have all this influence and I don't have all the, I don't have all the Bible answers. You ever said that to yourself? Well, I want to share Christ, but I'm not. I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I won't know the answer to. You understand that one? If the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes or no? Yes. Is God all knowing? Yes. If the Holy Spirit is speaking through there, you is there a question they can ask you that you don't have access to the answer? Wow, that was less definitive. No. It's God who saves people, right? Let him do it. You know what's really cool is when you're sharing with somebody and these answers start to come to your mind, you're like, 
And you're almost learning from the answers the Holy Spirit has given you yourself. And they pray and receive Christ. And you know you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you're like, I'm not that smart. I couldn't have come up with those kind of answers and responses. I think that's when he's glorified. When we stop taking credit for his hand in, in and through us. And so if we're going to embrace our new identity in Christ. There's a few things we have to consider. Have you explored your sonship in Christ? Have you begun, in other words, have you begun to intentionally engage God based upon your relationship? Say, as your son, Lord, I'm here. I, I want to talk with you. I want to hear from you. And I encourage you in your prayer life and in your prayer time to stop talking and let him talk. Let him talk. Well, God never speaks to me. Because well, maybe he can't get a word in edgewise. You cut him off. Listen. Listen. Ask him about his heart for you. Get to know what he loves. Pray because you can. Read because you want to know. And the joy of walking with him. So have you explored it? Since we've lived to, since we've lived with a list of rules for so long, it's very comfortable for us to seek our relationship with Christ. Oh, to seek that in our relationship with Christ instead of seeking Him. I better read that again. Since we've lived a, with a list of rules for so long, it's very comfortable for us to seek that in our relationship with Christ instead of seeking Him. Let me give you an example. What should I do? What's your will for my life? What should I do in this circumstance? I need answers. Now, I don't think that's wrong necessarily. But I think we're missing the higher things. Wouldn't it be nice to know him so well that you kind of knew what his heart was? Because you, you ever know somebody, you ever know somebody and you're in a relationship with them. And maybe they're at, they're at home or they're somewhere else and you're ordering food. And you kind of know what they like and what they don't like. Because you know them. You don't have to check with them on every decision. You know, I know there's certain things that Terry will eat. She's not an adventurous eater. She has a list, you know, I have a list like this. Some of you have a list long. She has a list like this, like three things. She will look for it on the menu of each restaurant. Because that's safe for her. But how do I know that? Because I asked her? No, because I have a relationship with her. And when you have a relationship, a real relationship, where you live with them, where you live with the Holy Spirit and you live with the Father, you're not always going to have to ask. You're just sometimes going to know intuitively. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth as well. And so, it's not about the rules, folks. It's about the relationship. 
do you want the right things out of your relationship with Christ? Do you want somebody just to dictate, Mark, go left, you know, is he a drill sergeant? Or is he a partner? Or am I, maybe I'm the partner. I'm the invited guest. I'm the one who was adopted. Third, God can do more than you realize. Like he can do more through you than you realize. We routinely underestimate the power of God through us. We do. Well, I can't do that. You want me to do, I can't do that. That's a wonderful place to begin. Because if you're obedient in a situation where you can't do it, then only God can. And God gets the glory. And so if you think he's asking you to do something you can't do, let me tell you something. Here's the reality. The reality is everything he asks us to do, we can't do. The real deception is when we think we can. Because then we're relying on ourselves instead of him. That's the real problem. Believe God at his word and act on what he shows you. You know, this this woman, I read this story a couple weeks ago. There is this woman who pulled into a gas station and got out to pump her gas. And it was one of those stations, you know, where you got to prepay first before the pump will be on. What a pain, right? What a pain. So she's like, ah. And so she goes inside and tells the guy and pays it. And goes back outside to pump her gas. And she goes and puts the thing in there and starts to pump. And it's still off. You ever been there? <laughs> so she's ready. She goes back and rips the girl a new ear hole so she can hear it. And she's telling and telling him and telling him and telling him. And he says, ma'am, 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 ma'am. When you came inside to pay for your gas, I saw somebody get in your car. They didn't look like they belonged there. The only way I could get you back in was to turn it off. I've already called the cops. They're on their way. And while they were talking, the cops showed up and arrested the guy. And it turns out he was trying to rush this gang that required a murder. And so what does that have to do with what we're talking about? There are people out there who need rescuing that don't even realize it. They need what we have. And they're not always going to understand just like we sometimes don't understand. But if the Holy Spirit is the one that saves them, they're going to get it. When He wants them to get it. And so that's why some people plant. You may be the one to just share. And that verse sits with them for a while. And then somebody else comes into their life. And they water that. And they begin to expand their understanding as God begins to drill down into their heart. And so we're called, ladies and gentlemen, to take our place. But we're never going to do that unless we understand who we are and embrace it. God saved you, transformed you from the inside out. 
Not to be a sinner saved by grace. Not to avoid sin. Sin's already been overcome. So forget about sin. Embrace the call. Embrace the relationship. And the rest will take care of itself. You don't have to worry. When I'm embracing Him and I'm embracing my call, I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to sin. I don't have any time for it. <laughs> I don't have to worry about how, I, how I'm going to talk or what I'm going to come up with the right things because it doesn't matter. It matters that I'm there and whatever I am, if He sent me there, uh, whatever He's going to give me, He's going to use in that moment. And we think we don't know the right things because we think that the other person is going to say things or we think they're smarter than us or we think they know stuff that we don't know. And we don't know what they know. We don't know what questions they're going to ask. We don't know. We assume. We make an assumption about where they are and then we make a determination about ourselves that's false and then we never act based upon the voice of God because we value that less than our own evaluation of the circumstance. We need to start valuing the voice of God above all things. And listen, let's climb out onto the limb if he tells us and saw it off if he tells us and trust him that we're not going to hit the ground. We'll be like Isaac. <laughs> Dad, I see the rope. I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I could have been there for that question. God, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And Abraham saw my day and was glad. And so he will use you too. If you obey, you'll see the hand of God move like that. We're all going to rise up as leaders. Not because we deserve it. But because we're called to it. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.